hear the name Mason Raymond one more time in my life, I'm gonna end it all. It's not. It's not a debate at this point. I think. Uh, what was the thing on Twitter? We went. Is it zero and eight now on ESPN Plus? Like only broadcasts. Grant. Ah, uh, I didn't see that. You didn't see that. I, didn't I think I didn't know we we're on ESPN Plus that many times, but I know we were over. Well, we've had Leah Hextall five times, and we've lost every game with Leah Hextall calling the games. And I think it's been one with Bucci Gross and then one with the other guy. So seven, oh and seven. And then also oh and eight with TNT. We're also like what oh and three since we waved DDK. Yeah, you, you start to think, yeah. you know, who was the actual problem? Um, not having not an having anchor. <laughs> not so, having what are problem, boys. That's... Well, we're gonna talk hey, hey, we're gonna talk about that. Just get it in a second. Um, but yeah, hi everyone. Welcome into the Production Line Podcast. I'm your host, Garth Wickham. Grant Wickham. And Andy. Yeah, we have plenty to talk about this episode. The Red Wings are uh, are we back in the fight for Shane Wright? I think we might be. Not we're that uh, far. we're losing we're losing players. <laughs> we're dropping like flies just at the right time. It's Boys, pretty... we're in that I think we're gonna finish in that like projected like sixth to seventh pick and we're going to jump up like how every, how every other draft in the last five six years has gone for us oh so we're gonna pick sixth overall again like <laughs> no, no 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 like we were projected to pick you know third and then we obviously get six so i think we're going to get like six or seven projection and get one or two you think so i mean i, I just hope so because i'm sick and tired of picking six yeah i mean <laughs> look i mean if we look at the past two times we picked six overall, it's really paid off. I was looking at it. And I don't think we can finish worse than like eighth. I don't think so either. Well, we I don't can think so either. I think they're too far ahead, and there's games don't worry. that they just. Won't I don't lose. know. AZ's on a heater right now. Ottawa's on a heater right now. True. So, yeah. AZ's you know. a wagon. Oh, we're gonna talk about Buffalo. We're... Buffalo too. They're they're freaking they're fine. We're gonna talk about Arizona in a little bit. Um, but a quick word from our show sponsor and friends of Inside the Rink, BetUS. BetUS has your NHL, NBA, UFC, PGA, and yes, NFL betting lines for their 27th year of live betting. Sign up for BetUS.com with promo code RINK for 125% sign-up bonus. Again, use promo code RINK for your 125% sign-up bonus. Play with the proven mainstay in the industry. BetUS. You bet, you win, you get paid. BetUS.com. Yeah. So, speaking of Arizona... I think that's the worst loss the Red Wings have had throughout this whole rebuild. And I don't think it's particularly close. I don't know. I can't think of another one that was that bad. I'd say even longer, but yeah. There was the yeah. 10 one, I think there was a 10 1 loss in Montreal of like four or five years ago. Oh, yeah. I, I erased that. Yeah. Fair. Yeah. That one was scraped from the memory, but I just thought of that one quick. But yeah, the Red Wings lose 9 to 2 to Arizona. 92. Phil Kessel played 30 seconds and almost scored. No, I thought credit to Phil. What a what a beauty that guy is. So I had no oh. idea it was I, I had no idea this was a planned thing. I thought that like he got a call, like his like one of the trainers like picked up the phone and said, like, hey, Phil, your wife's having a kid, you gotta go. I didn't realize this was planned and like Arizona had like a PJ waiting at Detroit Airport and he was just gonna book out of there. 
as soon oh, as there's a, there a chopper on top of LCA. What are you talking about? He was helicoptering <laughs> right out of there. Yeah. They, they picked him up off the bench. He was in his gear and everything. I just want to say, like, how cool that is. Like, that is awesome. He was like, literally that, it, a secret agent. He just took a backpack up to the top of LCA and then hopped on a jet that was waiting up there for him and took off. Yeah. <laughs> you didn't hear that? No. Oh. Per Darren. Yeah, Per, per Darren. Darren. Per Darren. Oh, per Darren. Well, all right. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I, I Like, this game is just such a defensive mess. We had the – I guess another good thing to come out of this was the uh, the video of Steve Eisman just scoffing in the press box where some people thought he said something. He probably didn't, but – I may or may not have tweeted out on the podcast account. And he's like, who's he talking about? Because it looks like, what was, it was, um, uh, no, he's gone. That's what it looks like he's saying. Which I don't think it is. I think he said, no, he's not. But like, he looks really pissed. And it, I mean, obviously he's pissed about the game. But oh, man, wouldn't it, be, wouldn't it be funny if he was talking about Blashel? I hope he was. Yeah. <laughs> There's just no way. Yeah, I, I it, yeah, for sure. Um. No, yeah, 9-2, and the Red Wings, yeah, the start of the game was bad. And then we had that really good power play to start where Fabry ended up scoring. Uh, really good setup from Burt. And then just after that, everything falls apart completely. Um, I'm trying to like Nick Schmaltz, how many points did he have? Like three or four? Five, Again. I think. He had five. After he had, he had four. He had four after his 11. Two, yeah. After plus. a seven-point night. Uh, he was a plus six against our top line, so that says a lot. Hey, Gus, Gus Lindstrom was a minus six, so if you want to even that out. Five. He was, no, he was a minus six. He was minus five. Uh, they must have took him, taken one back then, because when I, when I wrote this, I had Gus Lindstrom as the green jacket winner of the game. Yeah, he was a minus five. Oh, okay. So he's tied with Mark and Raymond. The fact we had three guys that were even that night were insane. Right. Was it three or, was it three or four? It was Valeno. Gagne. Uh, Gagne and who was the other one? Peronic. Oh, that's right. Philip Peronic, the defensive stalwart. Yeah, so three, yeah. Not to be missed, but like, so Philip Peronic did play 20 minutes that night, which if you really right. think about it, that's impressive. He was not out on the ice. For what it's worth, his last couple of games, he's been one of our one of the better players. Since really Veronis, since Veronis came back, he's sparked. I completely That's agree. Fun. Yeah, valid. I I completely agree. He's um, shooting more, and he just looks way more confident with the puck in the ozone. And defensively, he's not a minus three every game. Yes. Yeah. yeah like he he has the habit of like getting a point or two, but then being a minus one still. That's just kind of like the style he is. Uh, but yeah, like I don't even know like how to even break down this game goal wise. Like I thought Nick Letty was terrible this game. Yeah, Nick Letty was horrific. He I, was so bad. I like, just think the biggest note from this game are the big four. Honestly, actually, no, the just the top two lines uh, need to be pointed out specifically. You cannot be just getting dominated by the Coyotes. Larkin yeah. and Raymond were both minus five. Bertuzzi was a minus three. Uh, just that cannot happen. You need to out out duel the line that you're up against, but you're a better line. You gotta like in a game like this where you're coming off a really 
shitty Florida trip. This is a game that should be like, all right, this is what we're going to get right and get back on track. And Jeff Blaschel did not prepare this team for that. And we'll get into a more uh, nuanced conversation about Jeff Blaschel uh, in a little bit here. But um, there was some positive news. Uh, Jacob Verona was back in the lineup this game. Uh, I kind of reminded me of the Michael Scott, everyone stay calm bit. You know, and he made that big announcement that he was going to be in, and he did. He did score in this game. Granted, he was he was pumped, but it was it was what the six two goal. On the yeah, power play. I think so. Yeah, he he does have such the he's such an ability though to be able to score from nothing. Because that that power play was awful, and it was just the puck was kind of like pig, like bouncing off a bunch of guys, and then Veronis was like, "I'm just going to shoot this here." Uh, that so was that really good. good goal scorers though. He's such a good yeah, shooter. Yeah, it's, it's, he's. Like you, you watch other goal scorers around the league; they'll take a nothing play and it's in the back of the net. And just think, in Washington, this was the situation. Like this is a situation he was never in because he was never playing. He wasn't. He was playing power play two, and Washington power play two doesn't really play. No. And he was getting all of his goals at even strength. And just think about the opportunity he's going to have in Detroit when he's going to get more power play looks. Yeah, and just more ice time in general. All yeah. around. Like, yeah, still not to where I wanted to be right now. Like I think he's he played uh, fourteen minutes this game, and then he the the other two games he played around like sixteen, which is fine. But I mean, considering I mean, we'll talk about uh, guys out of the lineup. It should be it should be more, especially in the last game, which we'll get into. Yeah, the uh, first game, the first game I was fine with. The second game yeah. is fine too. You give him extra couple minutes, but then you'd like to see right around eighteen minute mark at least. From here on, for the next couple of games until he gets back up, and well, like you just said, we'll get to that here in a minute. But it's going to change, I think. Like easing him in is better than throwing him into the wolves right away for off, coming off an of injury. I find. Yeah, and then we have the continuing issue of goaltending, where we also had this is the second time in ten days at this point that the Red Wings pulled their the starter, the backup gets pulled after, and the starter goes back in. Which I don't think has ever happened. I, I'm I'm convinced. I don't I don't feel like looking it up. I made that. Yeah, that's confirmed. I'm convinced that it's never happened twice in a season, let alone a ten day span. Yeah, no, definitely not. Um, I, it was pointed out by Max Bowman. I'm pretty sure that um, that the expected goals for Arizona that night was two point six, and we let in nine. So part part of that's on defense for sure, but man, there's a couple of those where you're like, Ned, you got to have a save there, buddy. There's a couple of them. I feel like that's the story of kind of both their games recently. Yeah, for sure. Um, um, no matter what, no matter what game it is, you pick out both goaltenders. It's kind of like, wow, there's a few that I'm not so worried about Grice because he's not a Red Wing next year. Mm-hmm. I'm very worried about Ned. This is yeah, my this is my my kind of worry going into this year or after the trade for Ned. I loved the trade. Don't get me wrong, but there was so much just difference in Carolina's style versus Detroit's style. And Detroit has a lot more defensive problems than Carolina does. And Adelkovich is a brand new goaltender in the NHL. 
and he's coming from probably the best defensive structure to play in front of. Uh, absolutely, his best defensive structure. Yeah. Um, I think you look at it also like you're you're kind of looking at it from the glass half empty perspective in the sense that like oh now he could be ruined now. Um, I still I I just still try to look at it from glass half full in the sense that I mean look at him in the beginning of the year where he was a nine he was basically a nine eighteen goalie from. I mean, not the start of the year. I mean, like the first like week or so, he was kind of rough. But then, like after he settled in, those like two and a half months, basically until uh, this is the All Star break, I think is where he fell apart. He was solid for a good stretch. Granted, that was that stretch was what like twenty five games or something, which is basically what he played last year. So you, there is the the issue of you know maybe he's getting he's playing too much, and you know maybe the question is is he a starter? Or is he more of a one A 1A tandem goalie? Right. That is that is a discussion for sure. Yeah, how how I kind of look at it is, it is his first full NHL season, like actual eighty-two game season, and he's still considered a rookie by technicality. Where, I mean, no matter what age you are when you come into the NHL as a goaltender, there's going to be an adjustment period, and he was riding the highs like you said. Now we're hitting the lows, and I think. He, it's. I honestly think, being optimistic about it, it's good for the long run. Because this year, none of us expected us to be in the playoffs, anyways. Anything, anything like that. Even though we were close to it for a little, a little bit there, might as well, kind of just let them go through the struggles now and figure out where we are for next year, going into up, leading up into the draft free agency and going into next year, and see if we can bounce back next year and kind of rein it back in. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think harness part, like he had the first part of it the season, kind of going back into next year. Yeah. I'd love also to, like, like I think there's plenty of other factors that factor into this. Um, that's redundant. I just said factors that factor into this, whatever. Um, obviously, defensive structure is another one, but I think goaltending, the goaltending coach, Jeff Saleko, I think that can be lumped into coaching discussion as well because he's been there for how long and – I mean, I think part of the issue with goaltending, like you got to have a guy in your ear that's going to be pumping you up. And I, I don't know what he's saying. I don't, like they never make him available to the media or nobody's asking for it. But I'm curious on what his approach is to Nadelkovic at this time. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's a good point. He's been there for, I don't know how long. Like slaco has been there forever. Like he's like most of Jimmy Howard's career. So I think he's yeah probably close to 10 years. Um. So I think that's just an interesting thought I have. But then to move into Jeff Blaschel, I mean, we all can point to the video of Eisenman on TV losing it. But, um, I mean, you could, you know, make your own, you know, decision on what he was pissed about. I mean, either the effort, the coaching, or both. Um, yeah, Jeff Blaschel, I think this is the first time, and Grant, you brought this up before we started talking, First time we we kind of all like I mean Andy's kind of been on the train for a while, but I think this is the first time Grant and I have been convinced that this is this is the end of Jeff Lashell at the end of the season. It's been religious for us to back him and say that he hasn't had the team behind him. He really hasn't had an opportunity. This is the best team he's seen, in my opinion, except the year that they did make the playoffs, and that was his first year as coach of the Red Wings. And after that, everything was so downhill, uh, as in structure and how the team was built. 
it was always just a rebuild then. Um, but now he actually has a team that can compete and you can't be going out. I think the Reddings are one of the worst goal differential teams in the league, but yet they don't have one of the worst records. It just goes to show by how many nights they just get beat to shit by probably five goals or more. That cannot happen at all. And that comes from the top. Yeah, absolutely. I think he's a guy that struggled. I mean, also it has to do with, again, we can argue the talent. But we saw last year with Jeff Blaschel, um, the system they were playing, Red Wings were losing a lot of 3-2-2-1 games, which you can argue is better or not, right? But then at the, at the cost, like you have – with that situation, you have Adam Ernie as your leading goal scorer, right? So no offense. And then this year, we have the points. Like you have Larkin, who's around a point a game. Uh, obviously, Cider, Raymond, Bertuzzi, all playing well. Um, but then the defense is just getting caved as well when you give it up. So, like, he hasn't been able to find that mix of a system where it complements both. And, I mean, part of it can be due to the talent, but also is, like, like getting players to buy into a system as well. Is, I think it's not been a strong suit. Uh, my opinion on this – yeah, my whole opinion on this – is so Blaschel joined the wings. What was it two years before his head coaching gig as assistant coach under Babcock? Yes. And then he went down and was a head coach of Grand Rapids and came back up as a head coach, correct? I remember that. Maybe it was, I think he was in Grand Rapids for maybe two or three years. I don't remember. Okay. Uh, anyways, the coach that groomed him was Mike Babcock, who I am not a fan of, never was a fan of. Even when like, there's stories of him out there everywhere else, but <clears throat> when he's done other places and other people that have run into him on other podcasts, they've uh, come out. But Babcock was an issue for uh, basically wanted to control everything. And he also was a reason why free agents didn't want to come sign here because we didn't have draft picks, good draft picks for a long, long time. And that's what's going to happen. Like, we're going through that part right now where we're seeing we had 24, 25 years of playoff hockey. We're not going to get anywhere decent, halfway decent unless you get a diamond in the rough type of um, prospect. But the player or the person, the coach that groomed Blashill as a head coach was Mike Babcock. And once Babcock decided to leave, they hired Blashell as a kid. That's a safe bet because you're going to have a little bit of the same. You have somebody that's familiar with the organization. My thought process there was three years, maybe four at the max. And we're going on, what, six or seven? This is the seventh season of Blashell. Yeah, because he's sure. that's right. Because he passed because he, he was long, he's been now coaching longer than Babcock was, which is yeah. seems weird. That is crazy uh, to think about. Yeah. And once they re upped him the second time or the first time, sorry. I was like, all right, you know what? He has, like, going off. He hasn't had the rosters that Babcock had. All those guys are gone or depleted and bad contracts are signed, so we can't bring anyone in. He hasn't had the teams to kind of coach. But then when we, re- we re-upped him this past year, yes, I was pissed. I did not like that. There was coaches on the market that you could have went and got to bring a different voice in because essentially this is – Babcock 2.0 from what a lot of people are saying. Maybe not with the, the mind games and stuff like that, but structurally and just maybe demand, which I don't like. I don't know. Like, 
if that's true or not. Obviously not in the locker room, but you just kind of go off of who groomed them to be a head coach. I thought it was time for a change. You're bringing in new players. You're bringing in rookies. Uh, in the past, he did not like to play as rookies this year. He's obviously had no choice. These guys have Raymond and uh, Cider have forced his hand. So that's a good change I like to see. I did like to see. We all kind of agreed on that. But when they re-upped them this year, I was I was pissed. I thought there was some other coaches they could have went out, got, or try some try a different avenue to bring, you know, a different look to the team. Different, you know, they talk they preach culture and stuff like that. Well, the Babcock culture, yeah, he got us a cup. We went back, almost went back to back. But after that, it was kind of disappointing, in my opinion. We're just making the one and dones in the playoffs for the longest time after that. And yeah. As it sounds greedy, but as a Wings fan, when we grew up, that's all we saw was success. And that's all that's what you want, right? Like every every fan base wants their team to succeed. Um we we're kind of in the Toronto Maple Leaf stage, except we're on the back end, they're on the front end. One go in the playoffs and we're done after the first round, which is a piss off either way, no matter no matter which end you're on in. But yeah, I think I think the mistake kind of was and I don't say it was a mistake but I just wasn't personally wasn't happy when they signed him back this summer I think they needed a change change over the whole culture yeah I definitely like the point you just made like to finish off there to change the culture especially when you have a bunch of new guys coming in that's definitely valuable and you saw with teams like um I think Ottawa did a really good job with uh, DJ Smith and a guy who's really preached to the guys to buy in and it's still a rebuilding team, but I, I I feel like that's a guy like he could get through the tough times and be able to move through. Don Granado as well is a really good, very really good, good pick. Coach. Oh, he's yep. so good. Okay, a little a little aside. His his fit for the outdoor game was awesome. The the glasses, the whole Sabres fits were just so oh, nice. I loved it. Yeah. We can maybe we talk about that at the end. I love that movie. Yeah, me too. Um, but yeah, like with with Blashell, I mean. You also can get with the, you brought in the point of the young guys and Cider and Raymond to have forced his hand. Sure, you look at Zadina and Valeno's ice time though, for the most part, especially Valeno. Valeno has barely played this season, like until yeah. recently. Um, and even Zadina, like he seems like the first guy that when something's going around, Blash was like, "Okay, it's your fault." Yep. So and we saw it with two players. We saw with two players, but then that goes back to my point and our points that we've made in the past that you just said that he's not giving the other guys that, especially Valeno, like you said, that deserve a chance. He's not giving them the chance until as, as of the last 10-ish days, not games, days, mm-hmm. really. Yeah, you look at other guys like, I mean, you can argue like Horonic, Zadina, Fabry, Rasmussen have all either regressed or, you know, haven't developed further. Um, even had Mantha last year. Athens C was another guy. Like I can point Athens out a bunch of kind of a tough one. Yeah. Yeah. He like, it's just, yeah. He went like he looked he broke out for 30 goals and 50 some points his second full or second or third full season. And then after that, he's awful. Um yeah. we did get we did get two second round picks for him though. So shout out Stevie. Um shout again, out like, shout Ken. Yeah, shout out Ken. Yeah, it's true. That's true as well. You know, you have, <laughs> you have two, yeah, I have two. Two people to tango, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah. End of the season. I'm looking at guys like uh, Lane Lambert. I think that's. I think I talked to Dad about it, Grant, and I think that's going to be the fit. I think that's who's going to be our head coach next year. 
He was drafted in the same draft as Eisman for the Red Wings. 25th overall, Eisman was fourth. Uh, they're buddies. He's been in the talks about being a head coach for forever, but he's been Barry Tross's guy, and he's been a guy who hasn't wanted to leave. But I think that's just such a good fit in the Barry yeah. Tross mold. I don't know. That's a guy who I'm like, sign me up. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, obviously there's – so that'd be good for a defensive game. We'd get back down to kind of very defensively, but I just hope he lets the offensive players still play their game. Yeah, because Trotz, few... Trot, I mean, this is Trotz, not him, obviously, but he's again being molded by Trotz in a sense, where those tendencies will can creep in, I should say, where Trotz really doesn't like his, like he doesn't let his superstars be superstars he it's a team game what you want but also those guys need that freedom to make those like the freedom and creativity to play their game right yeah i talked to fugue about it as well and and uh trots did have covid uh at some point this year and and uh lane lambert filled in for like a week or whatever and fugue really liked what he saw out of him but fugue was kind of in agreement was like yeah he's probably out this year just simply for he's probably gonna take a head coaching gig Right. And I know the hot, the hot name in the Red Wings land is uh, Ricard Gromberg, who would be like the first European head coach, I'm pretty sure, in the NHL, which would be a fun story. He's Swedish and also Nick Lidstrom vouched for him publicly. So that does carry some weight. Um, I saw someone mention Paul Maurice, but like I I don't think from his comments in the press conference, I don't think he's I don't think he wants to come back anytime soon. Uh, guarantee he's not going to come back ever in, in a coaching job. No. Why is that? Uh, his brother told me. Okay. Oh, her sources. Her sources. Yeah. His, his brother. He said he had. He basically just had enough of coaching and threw everything that had gone on. He had his personal reasons for it as well that he obviously didn't talk with me about. But obviously, uh, he said he'll be. He if he does go back to the hockey world, uh, it will be in management or like. OHL trying to be like GM OHL or stuff like that. He'll be he'll be in management. Whatever. Look, look at us. Look at us breaking stories. Yeah. <laughs> Huge. Per, oh. Instead of per Darren, per Andy. Yeah. yeah. But that that's that's within the next like that's what he said. That's where his mind has been for the last since he had left. Mm-hmm. And um he said he's enjoying not having to go to the rink and everything like that. Like that the the struggles that people may not see that coaches do, especially assistant coaches, really, but part of the coaching staff that they're watching film, doing this, doing that, getting line matchups, making sure everyone's everything like that. Right. All that behind the scenes business. He said that it's kind of nice just to kind of focus on him, his family, um, go watch his kid play. I believe his son son plays soccer division one. Yeah. Like very, you know, focus on the family life and just kind of step away from the rink. And as of, I think it was like a month or so ago when we had this talk on the bench, um, he will not be returning behind the bench, at least to hockey for the near future. He doesn't see it happening ever, but his mind, people's minds change, right? People get the itch and everything like that. So, well, respect to, I mean, again, I really respected that move by him. It was just like, yeah, like this is just not for me right now. And being able to step away with that pride, it's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. He basically what he had said was right from the heart where he's not able to give his all to the players anymore. And he was there for the longest time, 10 years or some of that. And since the t- he was the yeah, only with, coach 
in Winnipeg yeah, at least. Yeah, he went from yeah Carolina because he went to that cup run in uh, was it 06? or no, no no yeah yeah well he was on so the he went, he was assistant coach I believe but it was okay. uh, it was um, who's Nashville's coach right now Laviolette. Oh, okay. John Hines. John Hines. Oh, Laviolette is the coach, yeah. Laviolette He's in Washington. Washington. Yeah, Washington, yeah. Yeah, he's in Washington. That's right, yes. You know, he one was in Nashville. Uh, yes, he was. Okay, okay. That's where I came from. Um, uh, yeah, but he's been there. He was there for the longest time, and, like, players probably started tuning him out, I would assume. And that's where he kind of felt, but he was also kind of not tuning into the players as much as he, as he thought he should be so good yeah on. and there's also like the rumors going around about winnipeg's culture and whatnot with like their main guys i mean i'm not going to get into that right now because i'm getting off topic but we i mean yeah. we can talk about that later um but yeah obviously nine two loss is never good and you want to have a good performance coming back and uh well it was a high scoring game but uh Redding's lost in a shootout six five uh again goaltending probably being the biggest story in this game again. I mean, unless you want to count Mason Raymond a bunch of times doing things. Um, but yeah. Uh, how, like, I I did I missed the goal in real time because I, I missed the first period. But Grant, I want to know how, like, far did your stomach fall down when Alex Nelfich scored on himself? I honestly didn't think it was real at first. I was watching the game and I was, I was in shock. I I haven't seen a goal that bad this year. Actually, I, I can't remember a goal I've seen that bad. This has been the worst one in recent history because it wasn't a, just a bouncing puck that sneaks in. He put it in his own net. Yeah, you can see like where it like hit on the blade. It was like towards the heel and like the odds of it happening. Like I understand like it was a quick thing. But man, especially for like a guy whose confidence is so far down, that had to sting so bad. And I felt so awful for him because, again, like he's he's obviously a guy with a bunch of potential. You don't want to like we can say he's not playing well, but it doesn't do any good to keep ragging on the guy. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's just it's tough. It's you're you just feel awful for him. Um, But yeah, this game was a lot of fun, though. Otherwise, I mean, the Red Wings decided they were going to outscore their defensive problems. Uh, I mean, the game started with Matt Boldy scoring again because he loves lighting up the Red Wings. That was – Pew Suter just lost his man big time on that. There's a couple guys right now that are – have been not good at all recently that need to be way better, and Pew Suter is one of them. I'd say he's probably the highest on the list for me, personally. Uh it depends how you look at the list. If okay. you look at it as in he's been the worst, it needs to be better, probably for me. Okay. But he's not the most high. Uh, what's the word? High, high value. High value player that has been bad. Larkin has been bad. Very bad for him all year. Mm-hmm. Um, comparatively to his. Literally, I think it was probably the last five games. Have been really rough. Bertuzzi's been rough. Yep. Siders had a little bit of a slow stretch here after his uh, point streak, and he needs yep. to be better. And those are yep. three of our horses. Three of our four good players. Yeah, <laughs> essentially. 
Uh, Nick, uh, Nick Letty, this game. So, oh my God, yeah, let's talk about Nick Letty. Uh, Nick Letty or Bobby Orr? I don't know. I ha- Nick Letty has not played nearly this good in any game this year. Uh, and I saw a first round pick tradable this game, and I haven't seen that. I saw a fourth round pick tradable all year. Obviously, obviously, he had those two flashy plays where he jumped in. Like we can talk about those. Um, but even like in the defensive zone, he was so his decision-making was so fast and he would either take, he would either make the quick play decider or he would skate it himself. I think Nick Letty led the team. And I, he led the team in ice time this game. I think he played over 25 minutes. It, it's the breakout defenseman that Steve Eiserman traded for a guy yes. that is so good at breaking out the puck and making first passes that I have not seen all year. I think like I'm going to give uh, Leah Hextall some credit calling them the dynamic duo is actually kind of a good goal call. It's kind of funny in the sense that like they've never connected, but like <laughs> I thought it sounded good. Um, but yeah. Nick Letty and Lucas Raymond played give and go um, up the, up the wall and Nick Letty gets it back off the blue line and spin move. And then, you know, it's bad when the goalie commits all the way to the shot and then just the slide back to Raymond who has a wide open net. That was disgusting. Yeah, that was so filthy. Man, I oh, I was like... That was a good reaction time for Raymond, too, not knowing that you're getting a pass. And it, it wasn't, like, the best pass to receive and shoot. Yeah, But, like, off a spin move like that, to throw that? Oh, my God. It was so nice. And, oh, break. Was, yeah, like, Nick Letty turning back the clock. That's one of my favorite goals this year. I, it's got to be up there for me. Well, actually, I think my favorite goal happened a little bit before this, where Jacob Verana made something out of nothing again. Uh, good work by Valeno and Gagne in the corner, but he kicks it up with the skate and it doesn't even stick handle, rips it top glove over Talbot. That release is ridiculous. He's he's the best shooter on the team. I can't think of many other players that, can, that have a release like that and can have the ability to shoot like that. I'd say Matthews. Matthews is one of the only ones I can think of. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's the only other player I can think of off the top of my head. I mean Ovechkin, but he's a different kind of shooter. I, I was he's gonna say Line, but again, they're both they're different shooters. They load they're different up shooters. They, they load, load up, up and they have yeah. rippers. Or Matthews can shoot out of nothing and it goes yeah. in. Yeah, they're both like they both can shoot off their front foot. You know what I'm saying? Like they don't like that it's not a big snapshot, it's just quick release. Same with Pasta, he's kind of a load up Pasta. too. Malkin's a little bit like that too. He can shoot off that front foot. Yeah, he yeah. can. He, he he's a little bit like that. That's one guy. Kucherov, Kucherov too. Yeah, yeah. But right. to see it all the time like that. So Matthews is back in my point. Yeah, we yeah we gotta stop talking about other guys that are doing it. So it doesn't sound as significant. But no, it's significant because Jacob Verona is ours, and it's high company to be in. Yeah, it is. I mean, you look at his his like goals per 60 at even strength and he's up there with Matthews and Ovechkin and all of that because it's that's just all he's played and he only, he only was playing 13 minutes a night yeah. and in all metrics like they have the you know like that account like the on Twitter the game score account they tweet out the best players in this game were I mean Nick Letty was up there but he was kind of a, he was it was a Nick Letty game in his prime you know not that great on defense but elite offensively um but then you had Joe Valeno, Sam Gagne, and Jacob Verana, which the un like first of all, the lines going into this game, I was like, what the hell is going on? Yeah. And then that line was the best line all game. And they all looked really good. 
Joe Valeno has been very, very good in this stretch here. That the wings have been not good. We kind of touched on Valeno or said this about Valeno uh, last pod. He is I'd safe to say at this point, anyways, a line driver. Yep. Right now. He has been, at least in this last stretch. Yep. And like uh, <clears throat> whether you mean whether he's put up points or not, it's their their play is what's been like whoever kind of gets slotted in with him wherever he's at or wherever he gets slotted in that has especially in the last stretch of three games i feel that whatever line he's been on or whatever he's been on the ice has been kind of the most productive all around yeah he he's just has he has the ability kind of like larkin where he's able to take it end to end by his skating ability which was not something like that was hyped up enough i don't think with valeno like in his draft but like i think he's like he's such a strong skater and he's not like that. He's he's a good sized guy, like six two. But like his stride is is what gets it. Like he is a very long stride, and he has he has a, you know, he doesn't have the flashiest hands, but he has a set of hands. He has the touch, and like you'll see, like what well, we've seen like, a lot of his garbage time goals. He's around the net. He has that little bit of enthusiasm in front of him where he's he's always like looking away to like looking to find a way around the net and pop those rebounds in. He has yeah. a little bit of. We've seen at least a little bit of everything from him uh, in this last three, two, three weeks, two weeks for sure. Yeah, I want to have a more like uh, a bigger conversation about the lineup after the Calgary game recap. But yeah, for sure. Valeno has been awesome. Uh, and then Verona scored another goal in this period, which was Grant. You kind of talked about Horonic's confidence more recently. That look off by Horonic initially and then to find the lane was so nice. That was incredible. Uh, I, I wish we got the same heroic every game, and I'd be in love with him. Man, it was perfect. And Letty. And uh, Letty, yeah. I just want to love heroic, but there's just something to his game that just irks me every single night, something different. But there'll be some nights where I'm, I'm thinking to myself, he's incredible. And he, he is. His, his shot is crazy. Yeah. Crazy as in it can be a horrible one night and then very good the next night. Yeah. A, uh, Walmart, can, a Walmart Mar- Martin Furk, if you will. His passing could be right to the other team for a breakaway, example, Toronto, or that dive of a pass you look off someone and then throw a beam to the corner for a one-timer. Yeah, he's, and I'll – yeah, go ahead. So, he's such an odd player. Heronic. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, like – we compared him to like Jake Gardner, but like again, like it's kind of hard to even compare him. But uh, to go back to that pass, I'm not taking anything away from the pass, but like it was on Jacob Verona's like front foot, and for a one timer to be there, that's a hard play to make. So you can see Jacob <laughs> Verona falling to score, and the fact that he still had the ability to raise it and put it under the bar, crazy. You want to know what pissed me off about after Verona scored his two goals? What every time actually Letty would actually Letty did this too after uh that spinorama move every time they had the chance which is nice it's not it's not like it's a kind of a shit uh yeah it was just like a grin you know um piss off but like every time they had the chance they're firing on net i'm like ron your shooting percentage is going down here you're leading the league right now come on (laughs) and then letty was just firing bombs like at least maybe not like shots on goal but like typical passes and stuff like that i was like oh that's nice to see but like let's just have the guys make sure someone's there to tip it in you know off our team <laughs> but yeah no every time Verona got the puck like inside the 
top of the circles for sure. Uh, like you're like, okay, we'll just go to the net because this is going on net. Like, like you're. But I was sitting there thinking to myself, I'm like, your shooting percentage is just dropping right now, piece by piece. <laughs> I mean, I'd be shooting the puck too, and you're playing oh, Cam sure. Talbot or Alex Dukovic, or if you're just Jacob Verana and you, or if you come Jason back Verana. three goals in two games, right? You know, like <laughs> it was, it was a really I mean. like, good. Take it with a grain of salt. That's all. That's what I was kind of getting at, but. Yeah, Grant, to your point, it was a really good game of dodge puck. Yeah. <laughs> it's two, two of what? The bottom 10 goalies since uh, the All-Star break? Or yeah. Bottom five? Yeah. yeah. Count I mean, Talbot's got to be in there. Uh, yeah. I mean, we'll talk about the other goalies first. I want to talk about <laughs> – I want to have a conversation about him because I yeah. think I have an interesting proposal that's going to ruffle some feathers, but I'm, I'm here for it. The um, goalie that's first? Yes. Peter Mrazek? No. Okay. Wait, I need to bury this. He is first, yes. Okay. I have have an interesting thing I want to say at the end of this when we get to stuff. What? I don't like where your head's at. Okay. Well, yeah, I don't like (laughs) either of those, like no matter what option it was, because I was thinking of someone else who also is uh, a Toronto Maple Leaf goaltender that is not Peter Mrazek. Yeah, he's I, been... thought he, I, I thought he was, was the worst in all-star break, especially for being an all-star goalie. Oh, yeah, no, not him. Well, Cam Talbot was an all-star goalie, too. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Speaking this of which, a... so, so going to the Cam Talbot and uh, Nadalkovic, both being just absolute shit. Studs. Sorry, oh. but yeah, just terrible. Um, if I'm a linesman in the NHL, those two guys have the aggression. Let it get it out. Let them get it out. Oh, so we, we, want, to go to, we want to go to this right now. I was oh, going to gonna... this. Okay, all right, all right. I'm sorry, we're going right to this. Let if I'm an alignsman in the NHL, I know you're supposed to, you're supposed to you know stop, but there's a whole lot of other stuff going on. Let the goalies go after it. Let the fans get what they want. Let the goalies go after each other because they were both not having great months or yeah. second halves. Why not let them toss them around? Especially Ned. I think Ned's got that crazy in him that I think like that could be like a, a fight that could turn around like his game completely. Well, yeah. I don't know. Is that well, am I overthinking it? Maybe. Yeah. Well, yeah, because I mean, if I okay, this is gonna be so bad. But if I'm dead, the last thing I want to do is get in a fight because like he has such a big face. Every swing, everything that's gonna be swung at him is gonna hit him in the face, man. I mean, at least with the at least with goalie <laughs> equipment though, they can't really wind up for a punch though. You know what I mean? It's all short jabs. Talbot's a veteran though; he's gonna get that arm loose. I mean, he's been in he's, a fight before. Exactly. He's a he's a he's a savvy veteran. He knows what's going on. Um, but yeah, man, like. I mean, we can talk about yeah. So the line's been really prioritizing stopping a goalie fight, you know, which obviously would get plenty of views and clicks for the NHL. But you know, who, you know, the NHL hates marketing. Um, just to let a rookie get pummeled with his head on into the ice, but you know, that's that's cool, right? That's yeah. what we want. Um, but yeah, the whole thing started with Jordan Greenway punching Nedeljkovic in the head. Like we can we can state that that was the video. Yeah. And Nedeljkovic well, lost it. He lost it. He was he was he wasn't having a good night. So he said he said I'm I'm done with this. And he started feeding Greenway as he should have. Yeah. And like, then they all they're all on their high horse. And then Raymond had Dumba pinned on the ice. Didn't throw a punch because he's a defenseless player. Then Dumba flips Raymond around and then starts smashing Raymond's head into the ice while he's bleeding. Might add. And Dumba after the game was like, oh, I saw red, but. We were both throwing punches. No, no, you weren't. You weren't doing that. When they were both standing, they're both swinging at each other. As soon as he fell on top of you, Dumbo, he stopped. He maybe shook him. I don't know. Like I can't remember. 
entirely. I just remember seeing. No, he's had him. I think he just was sitting on top of him. I think he just had him right. pinned. Right, and he they're kind of like squirming around a little bit, I guess, because Dumbo was obviously trying to get him off. And then after that, all I remember seeing just a pile of blood on the ice. And then the linesman, the two referees, and the, the linesmen are all focused on the goalie, the scrum by the goalies, and three, four feet behind two of the linesmen or one referee, one linesman, whatever it would be, what would be or whatever it was, sorry, uh, was that incident, which we were obviously we're not fans of. I mean, it happens as part of the game, but like when a, when a scrum happens like that, but you don't want to see somebody on their back bleeding from the head, keep getting fed punches. Most guys don't stop. I'll hear the argument from like the angle that he couldn't see the blood, but like also like you're also rabbit punching this guy's head in the ice without a helmet. There's there is no argument there. There shouldn't be. You're you're actually like messed up in the head if you're talking about how you didn't see blood, but you're still feeding someone whose head is touching the ice, literally. Yeah, exactly. That's just, that's just not right. There's a no. code. And the fact that like the NHL still has the issues with um Fight, they claim CTE isn't real and whatnot. Granted, like Raymond doesn't have a concussion history that I'm aware of, but like that's still something that can cause, like in worst case scenario, that could cause a concussion, right? A guy's head repeatedly hitting the ice. And it goes back to breaking up a goalie fight, which is two guys standing versus a defenseless player on the ice getting his head bashed into the ice. So I don't know. I, I It doesn't make any sense for me. And then also for both of them to get coincidentals as yeah. if that was an equal play. Crazy to me. Um, well, also, Matt Dumba being a chicken shit the rest of the game and not accepting a fight. Yeah, I love Ross because of this. We all said that mm-hmm. um, in the chat. One thing I want to touch on, which I, we're, we were probably going to touch on later, but um, while we're on the topic, I don't see how there's a difference where Austin Matthews gets two games for cross-checking a guy, but Dumba doesn't get anything. Oh, he gets a penalty, sorry, for roughing. The guy smashes it off the ice. He's feeding punches. He's a defenseless player. I think that should be two games, too. I should, I th- that's what I think. I should have, it should have been at least a game, I think. Yeah, I don't game. think it's any worse than what Matthews did. I mean, Ooh, don't get me I don't wrong. Know. Hear me out. Okay. Uh, Rasmus initiated contact, gives him a cross-check, pushes him back into uh, Matthews' enemy. Yeah. Uh, Matthews' recent enemy, a goalpost. <laughs> Little joke. Um, but, uh, Matthews gets up, gives it back to him. His stick rides up, hits him in the neck. Like he was, like he was, I think he was going for the shoulder. He kind of dipped, got him. I'm fine with the two games, Yeah. but Rasmus knew that was coming. He saw, he was facing him. He saw everything was coming. He initiated the contact on it. So why, where's the difference? Because these two guys knew this was going on. Like, like they're, they got in, engaged, whatever helmet falls off hits his head off the ice, starts bleeding, and he's still on top of him, feeding him mm-hmm. for a good amount of time after. How is that not two games? Or at least a game or, system, or something. That'd be uh, George Paros. It's the mm-hmm. inconsistency. Me and Garth yeah. talked about this a little bit earlier before yeah, I, I we jumped on. Yeah, I, 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 I don't understand it. It's the whole thing. I brought up the whole Pavel Buknevich cross-check over Mantha's face last year when yeah, that's Mantha first got traded to Washington. He literally just V-lined toward Mantha and cross-checked over the teeth where Matthews looked like he tried to hit his shoulder at least with the cross-check. So I, it's not as predatory, in my opinion, as Buknevich completely V-lining towards Mantha and 
cross-checking over his teeth, and he got right. one one game for that, and he was a repeat offender. Yeah. So I, I just I there's no there's no rules. They're they don't have a guideline to follow. They just give give out whatever they want to give out. Yeah. You, you so my, that, yeah. I was gonna, I was gonna say my conspiracy theory for this is the fact that this was a game between Detroit and Minnesota versus Matthews was a national broadcast outside. And you look at the following night with Marcus Foligno, which is arguably even a worse play on, on Jacob Voracek, that knee would only got five grand to slap on the wrist and Voracek still hurt. You know what I mean? Like, that's just another thing. Like, so I understand Maple, Maple Leafs fans are pissed, which in a, in a vacuum, if we're looking at the play deserve two games, but also if you look at it, you weigh it versus other decisions that uh, department of player safety has made. Doesn't make any sense because you weigh it against other things that are worse. Right. So if you're a Leafs fan, you're irate because Matthews doesn't have suspension history. Where Buchnevich did only got one game. Uh, Felino in the last three weeks has had a, la- a laundry list of things that's going on that have been able or have been suspendable or suspended worthy. Because he got a f- no, did he get a couple games for the knee? He did, eh? Who? He got two uh, Felino. On Voracek? No, no, the head. on Pionk. Oh, yeah, he got two He had two games on Pionk. And then he had something else in between, I believe, that was... Yeah, fine. Yeah, fine. And then the knee on Voracek. So you're sitting here, and you're sitting here looking at it. Now this goes back to, like, my statement for Dumba, like, maybe a game, because I don't honestly think Matthew's looking at everything else in history, like, prior calls, prior suspensions. I think Matthew's one game would have been enough. Slap on the wrist type of thing. You know, you're, you're out of game. We're suspending you because of the, you know, the stadium series game is on TV, et cetera, or the Heritage Classic, sorry. It's on TV, et cetera, et cetera. But for someone that hasn't had, and in Dumba, I don't think has had um, DOP, uh, DOP suspensions either, right? In his mm, history? Yeah. I don't think so. I, I don't think so. So one game each I would have been fine with. Yeah, but if you're a least fan looking at that, you're irate that he's getting two. Especially, especially, especially the spot they're in, no goaltending. He's mainly their goal scorer. You know. Yeah, and to get back into this game, like I'm kind of a hard change of topic, but get back into this. Yeah. Um, man, Detroit giving up leads in the third period. It's a favorite thing. Favorite thing to do. Um, but yeah, so it was five four all of a sudden. Uh, and that fifth goal, Cider played Caprice off so well. Grant and I, we Grant, we talked about this, but he played him so well. And then he Caprice off just did a little push off Cider, and Cider like almost just, like went with momentum and just kind of glided away. And then Caprice off gets the rebound where Cider should have been. Yeah, yeah, that was a that was like one of them. I'm like, oof, that's a bad one. You just can't was, lose like, your man like the. No, and there, and there was the tying goal in the beginning of the period where, where um, Stetcher lost his guy and boldly got that break. Yeah. Leaker goal from Ned as well, but like also it was a half breakaway. So I mean, take it how you want that want to. Um, but the tying goal, Philip Zadina gets it in the neutral zone and carries it with, carries the puck in with such confidence and deeks through everyone, goes around the net and finds a player in the high in the like. Top of the or not top of the circle, but the hash marks and rips it. And I swear it was Jacob Verona. I'm going nuts. I'm like hat trick. Let's go. Uh, wait, what's that? Is that number 82, Jordan Osterley? That release was disgusting. From that was Osterley, snipe. He just loves. He scores clutch goals. His two goals with the Red Wings. 
clutch. He's got us three three points with it. What's that? Three points. He's got he's got the team three points with two goals. <laughs> yeah. Wait, what are you what are you saying? To take him to overtime. Overtime win, you get the extra point. There's two. Oh points yeah, there. true. Yeah. Push it overtime, right? I was misunderstanding. I was like, I was like two points. I'm like, he has more than two points this year. That's like where my head was at. He's got the team two points with with the or three points with yeah. two goals I understand it now. Um, but yeah, I I texted. I said I thought that was Verona. I was convinced. Uh, but yeah, what a play by Zadina as well to have that the headiness to come around the net and actually make a play versus trying to jam it. I love that. It was so good. Um, yeah, the rest of the game, overtime was pretty whatever. I mean, Ned, I thought, made a couple big stops because Detroit didn't have any shots in overtime. Um, so that was good for Ned, I thought. And then the shootout was not good for Ned because he got juke bad twice, especially by Zuccarello. Ooh. That's classic Zuccarello, though. That's his little move where he makes the goalie bite first. Yeah, yeah he's disgusting. Friggin, who was it? Dominic Moore, right? Was the announcing? He called yeah. it right on the spot. He called yeah. it right on the spot. He goes, he'll make, he'll wait, oh, wait the goalie, and just go either forehand, backhand, or backhand, forehand, just like that. And literally, as it as he said that, he, just, he did exactly that. It was it was nice. I think the it was a Fial that scored the winning goal, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think I think that was a weak one. I don't. I, he should have had that. Fial is silky though. I don't know. I, I again, the shootout for me is so hard to like blame a goalie because it's just a straight on breakaway. Yeah, Fial was kind of toying with him. He came through a change up. Yeah, uh, Ned smashing the stick. I'm like, yeah, I feel for you. I don't. Uh, be better. I, I, yeah, he needs to be better. But like, I also can, you can also feel for a guy who's not playing well and obviously wants to be playing better. Yeah, yeah. I think there's a mix of that. I mean, you can be like, as fans, you can call for more, but. I don't like again. I don't think it's much to be like. This guy's the worst. Let's keep dragging. Like, I don't know. No, no, yeah, yeah. I guess um, maybe I'm maybe I'm a little bit hypocritical critical after the Danny Kaiser discussion a couple weeks ago, but whatever. Yeah. Did you you guys obviously touched on the own the self goal right? Yeah, that was the first time we touched on this game. Okay. Okay. Well, I was I was on away. Okay. Yeah. Um, I was kind of kind of glad it happened. Because that's rock bottom. That has to be rock bottom. You can only go up from there. You'd think that's fair. You know what I mean? Like, kind of look at a glass half full, uh, or quarter full, or eighth full, uh, however you want to look at it. Um, just that's kind of been the way of his game. Because when he has been playing decent or battling, at least, just terrible bounces go in, squeaking past him. So, kind of give him a fresh slate. Let that happen, and hopefully, he can just build off that. You know, like. Hopefully he takes that as it clears his mind because it can't get much worse than that. And then just starts battling back. Yep. Yep. And we move into the next day after this and the lines are all messed up and Fabry's still out and we kind of missed it. Fabry left the game against Minnesota and kind of like nobody really knew what was going on. And then it gets released. The Blashell says after practice that Robbie Fabry tore his ACL again. It's for a third time. Granted, it's a new knee which depending how you want to look at it is either better or worse. I think it's worse personally because now he has zero good knees. Um, obviously you have to feel for the guy though. I mean, he's fought back so many times from injury. It just seems like he's just, he can't stay healthy. It's awful. I mean, Blashville obviously looked like visibly upset about it, which 
I guess is another thing to say, like a positive thing about Blashill, like how much he does care about the players. Uh, yeah, tough one for Fabry. It's also a huge loss to the Red Wings lineup. Way every like even like his defensive liabilities, he's able to create stuff, and he's a consistent scorer. He was on pace for like twenty five goals this year. Yeah, yeah, but uh, I obviously feel for Fabry, and hopefully he has a a good recovery. I, I again, I think the projected is he's going to try it for training camp next year. Which I mean, I don't know. It's hard to say whether or not he'll actually be there. Um. But yeah, uh, and then Bertuzzi being out as well, moving into Canada. Uh, Taro Hirose was called up. And your boy, Andy, your boy. Did you, fr- did, did you have a fresh pair of uh, pants when you found out that he was going to play? Uh, not so long after, yeah. <laughs> it took me pretty quick. It took me uh, a few minutes to gather up some clean laundry, but yeah. I had I had a I had to replenish myself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Respect. Um, yeah. And when it first like the lines first came out, they called up Perosi, and like then they weren't playing him on the power play for practice. I'm like, okay, he's not in. So I thought they were gonna go eleven and seven. I thought you Levy was gonna get in, or Gus was gonna go back in, something like that. And then they call up Wikowski, and I'm like, oh, this is for the toughness factor because we're playing Calgary. And lo and behold, Luke Wikowski. Wouldn't really play that physical, but he'd create like arguably the best scoring chance of the game against yeah. Calgary. Yeah, he's our best offensive threat that game. Probably, probably because there was. What, what have I been preaching? He is a utility knife, boys. He's a Swiss Army knife. He will do everything. <laughs> he brings everything we need to our lineup. Keep him up. Sign him to a lifetime contract, league minimum. What What was our over under five and a half games this year? Four and a half. It was four, four and, and a half. It was four and a half. half. We need three more. Uh, no, it'd be four more. Yeah, five. yeah, four more. Yeah, because you had the over. Yeah, yeah. I say, did I miss a game? <laughs> yeah, no. Yeah, he, he got completely he, honest with you, though. I, I honestly didn't clue in that he was playing on Saturday because I had a family dinner, mm-hmm. a little birthday dinner, going on. Oh yeah, and uh, I just turned on, halfway through that. I turned on the game. I was like, okay, whatever. I was like half paying attention to it. We had grandparents over and stuff for that and uh then i looked i clued in i was like oh there he is who's that handsome devil yeah i was like look at that fella you got a little fella out there i should have started i should have started with that again we wish you happy birthday over text but a happy birthday oh thanks fellas. Yeah, late late belated birthday but yeah, yeah. Happy birthday. i know i was right on the spot was it like 6 so was I. yeah yeah oh. yeah you guys were both up there pretty early it was i liked it i woke up to that and i was oh Thanks, yeah. fellas. I hate, I, hate you with the, I hate you with the snap. It's all good. Oh, yeah. yeah. I actually called Andy at 3 in the morning. Oh, yeah. really? I yeah, Snapchatted yeah. him at, at 12.05. Okay. Well, that was after I Snapchatted him at 12.01. <laughs> I called him at 3 in the morning to actually talk to him and have a conversation with him. Yeah. Wished him happy he, asked birthday he asked me how my day was going. It was, I was like, it's 3 o'clock in the morning, chum. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Um, but, yeah. I can't believe the Red Wings played so awful for Mark Stahl's 1K game. I mean, I believe he's it. just the he's the man, and they come out with that performance. I mean, the best a couple a couple of really good stories to come out of this. Uh, first being those shirts that Mark Stahl had the, the sunglasses and then the lettuce going hilarious. Right. I want those right now. Yeah, 
Um, I tweeted out from the podcast account like how awesome they were, and I got three replies that were just fake, fake sites set, like selling those shirts with like just screen printed on white t-shirts. They're like obviously fake, so I had to like delete the comments and like block them because they're spam accounts. But I was like, that's crazy. And the Red Wings had to like say, by the way, this shirt is not for sale. Do not fall for any fake sites. They tweeted it under the shirt, which just makes me want them to release it more. I was gonna say, listen here, Detroit Red Wings front office sales whatever you are uh release them Put yeah them on sale cowards <laughs> yeah Jeez. i will pay any amount for that shirt i'm not yeah, scared I'd, I'd pay a lot for that too yeah, i got <laughs> i got my tax return the other day uh or today i guess uh, i'll pay uh, it i'll send it yeah i don't care yeah yeah for sure um but yeah I, this game gave me uh last year vibes to the fullest extent the red wings get caved in shots and we lose uh by less than what we should have lost by and we didn't give up a lot of i like we can say like the shots were a lot but we didn't really give up any grade a chances i don't think like there was a couple but like not like an abnormal amount um but there was just zero offense there was nothing were the shots i think i could be wrong it was either 19 to 1 or 22 to 1 at one point 19 to 1 after the first period 19-1? Okay, so that's what I saw with 19-1. Well, and 31-5 to five after the second. It was hilarious because you had texted. I don't, You texted in the group chat, I think. You said that goal by Grice was terrible, that first goal. And it was pretty bad. And I texted yes. back, this is the best goal that we've gotten in like a month. <laughs> it was true. So and I'm not like, complaining. And that and, was only and it, 10 shots in. To have a 90 and 10 shots in, I was like, let's yeah. go, Greiser. <laughs> Yeah, and uh, to like go um, talk about the goaltending as a whole. I mean, I thought Thomas Grice played well this game. He did. That first goal was bad, like you first said. First goal but... was bad, but I mean, we look back on some of his goaltending this year. He's good for a bad goal. One, he is good for a bad goal. Yeah, and if you're gonna let in a goal from anyone in the high slot shooting, I'd rather be Elias Lindholm because if it's anyone else, it probably is even worse because Lindholm's mm-hmm. actually a good shooter. He's a hot he, hand right now. That, that was a nice shot. It's just a goal you should not let up with no traffic. Yep. Yep. Uh, especially like your power play, like leaving, like give, like only leaving him, you know, that chance like above the circles. It's impressive. Um, yeah. But to talk about, um, yeah, Lysa Lindholm all of a sudden just decided to mess around and he's like, you know what? I'm a first line center. Out of the blue. It's crazy. Um, yeah. Uh, I don't have much to say. Like there wasn't honestly, like I didn't think anyone played that bad. I mean, the offense wasn't there. I almost wanted to like point towards the coaching again and not making a decision to mess with lines until like six minutes left in the game where he threw Verona with Larkin and Raymond. You know what I mean? Like you need to change something up in the in for the offense to get something going. I mean, Larkin in the third period, he had that one half breakaway chance where he thought it squeaked through, but it didn't. Um, Raymond had a good shot. Nemest- Raymond almost found Nemestikov back door. That was close. But again, there wasn't really any serious chances for Detroit. Calgary soaked up pucks really well. Yeah, they did. Yeah. They reminded um, me of, you know, I would talk, we, I talked about like LA Kings system and like how well they like shut things down. Calgary's just that on steroids. Well, yeah, it's Daryl Sutter. Oh, ironic. Team. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah it's it's how ironic they have the same. They, they, they run. They play such a good heavy game. I love Calgary. Like I was saying, how I, I literally like 
um, one of the other Inside the Ring podcasts uh, was was asking a question about um, who would be the cup favorite. I said Colorado, and I said Calgary's interesting, but I don't think they, they have the, the horse on defense. They don't need that horse. Man, they play so well. I'm, I'm changing my two to book Calgary. Calgary's – they're legit. Yeah, they're they're a contender this year. And yep. I, I they have such an exciting team, too. I They have the goalie they need, too. I think they have a top five goalie in the league. Yeah, Mark's they're, sick. They're they're scary. Uh, they... I, I gave up on my little conquest. I had that uh, bet going probably, I think, $20 paid $1,100 on my divisional winners. Yep. I, it was Carolina for the Metro, Colorado for the Central. Um, Florida for the Atlantic, and then my last one was Vegas, and Vegas is going to screw me, and Calgary's yep. going to win. But that would have been a nice hit. That's just not going to happen. Yeah. Cal- Calgary's uh, <clears throat> roster makeup, kind of like how you said on their back end, especially, mm-hmm. to me it has the – I believe, yeah, it was the 17 Pittsburgh Penguins all over it. They do it by committee. Yeah, a little bit. I'd still, th- I'd still say Latang was kind of that horse, though. At least offensively. All- yeah, but he was. I get what you're saying about like the Dumoulin and stuff like that, because like I think Noah Hannafin's a good defenseman. I think he's a good number two, and I think yeah. Chris Tanov is almost a number two as well, because he's a legit defense, like defensive defenseman. He's really good. Um, and then you get in the likes of I said Zadorov. We talked about like before the show how good he is. Great hair too. See that fresh cut yeah, on Saturday? Yeah, beautiful. Oh my Shilling- God. Shillington's also been a really good offensive defenseman. He's not much else, but I mean, he's a I guy who can. He's a guy who can be like your point guy. So it's kind of like they have it flipped. It's almost like how how Florida was last year in the sense of they had Yandel as their um, offensive guy, and then you have committee everywhere else for defending, which is cool. That's still like a fun thing like to have. Um, but I just think like any if you look back for like most of the cup winners, like you see they have that horse on defense and I think ultimately like Calgary doesn't have it. Right. But I mean, they're still, leg- I still think they're a legit shot to win. I mean, especially with, when you have elite goaltending, anything can happen. You don't uh, think they I, have a specific horse? No, I don't think so. I think I, I'm in love with Rasmus Anderson, but I guess I, don't oh, I totally forgot about him. He's good. Yeah. He's another, again, they have a bunch of two, three guys. Like they have top a bunch of top four. Like they have a a bunch of top four defensemen. They don't have that number one defenseman. No, I think Rasmus Anderson and Hannafin, when they play the right way, they're both number two guys. Yeah, and uh, I think Tanif. that can that can show as a number one having those yeah. two guys. And then Tanev is a really good complementary defensive yeah, shutdown guy. And then and the they have a bunch of Dorov and Gabranson been playing. Mm. Holy. I kind of compared. They have a bunch of Ryan McDonough's. Yeah, yeah. where where do you see the hole though? Because I I know uh, them with the possibility of looking for a defenseman on the market. Let's say they sneak a Hampus Lindholm in there. The only guy you can really take out is Shillington. Yeah, right. I mean, I think Gabranson would probably end up being the guy that gets taken out. But you again, think so? he's playing. I think so. Um, Shillington still has value because Lindholm's not like a power. Like, let's say we're if we're going to take an argument, Lindholm's not really a power play guy. Yeah, I guess. Um, and you have Shillington that can run the power play because none of their other like Rasmus Anderson's a decent power play guy. Again, he's a distributor, but um, Rasmus Anderson runs their first unit. Shillington plays half wall on their second unit. Okay, so yeah, maybe he is replaceable. 
Who does run the second unit? Is uh, it uh Hannafin, Hannafin? It does it is Hannafin. And then yeah. Chillington plays right half wall. Right. Okay. Um but yeah. He's, he's kind of got me, a cranker. Because like their off their offense is sick. I'd say maybe like another another like middle six winger, maybe. Maybe a better because Sean Monahan's not playing well right now either. And it's crazy to think about like with Calgary being good, you'd think Sean Monahan would be part of that. Yeah. And there was the yeah. whole trade proposal at the start of the year it was Kuznetsov for Monahan. Holy you imagine. You imagine. Yeah. <laughs> Kuzi there would be sick. I think <laughs> Del, I think I think he'd give Daryl Sutter a okay. cardiac, but yeah, I don't I don't yeah. think he I don't think well he'd be that, that sick there, yeah. Yeah, but yeah, for sure. you say that <laughs> for sure. It'd be fun though. Um, yeah, I don't have much else. Uh, that other funny moment from this game was uh, the Dean Morton handshake line, which was really cool. Like, guy refing his last game, Red Wing legend, you know, goal one, one game played, one goal. Against Pretty funny. Calgary. Yeah, oh, against Calgary. So that was a cool moment. And then Larkin stealing Johnny Goodrow's stick and then walking off with it as well. Not only just not giving it back to him, but he just walked off with it, which is just hilarious. Well, it was yeah. Goodrow was poking him with it. I don't know if you saw that too. It looked like yeah, Goodrow was poking him with it, so Larkin just grabbed it. You know what they're talking about is Johnny Goodrow signing in Detroit in the off season. <sighs> don't even. <laughs> they're talking about how are they going to afford him? Well, that's that's the issue, right? Like the rumor is they're going to decide between Kachuk and Goodrow, and I'm sorry, like I love Johnny Goodrow, but like Kachuk's younger, and that style is a little harder to replace. I think as much I as I love so Goodrow. Too. I, I'm picking Kachuk in that scenario. Um, but yeah, good draw, man. He's so good. I think I think maybe they try to get rid of Monahan. Yeah, they're gonna have to shed they'll shed Monahan. I think they I think they do end up keeping Johnny. I don't see Johnny Goodrow realistically. Monahan to the Yotes with uh what's his name? Pelletier or Pelletier? Connor Zary. Yeah, two good options there. <laughs> I would take honestly, like if the Red Wings like I'm speaking hypothetically right now, but I would take on John Man- Monahan as a as a project, if we got like a prospect in return with it for yeah. a second line center, I would t- I take the chance. How many years he's only have left one after this year. Oh, I would 100% take that. Yeah. He's like making like 5.3, I think it is, or something like Six, that. It's 6. not that. 6.1. Oh, it's, is it? I think it's 6.1. Okay. So same as Larkin. Uh, yeah. I could check quick. It doesn't matter. I mean, it's, it's in the five to six range. We have the cap yeah. space. I, I, the, the money doesn't matter. I think that'd be an interesting thing for Detroit to look at because he's not that old. He's twenty seven. Six point three. Six point three. Okay. Again, doesn't matter. Um, I think I just thought of that on the spot, but uh, I think that'd be really interesting. I saw that in Max Boltman's trade bait list. Uh, okay. There was a situation where Detroit would trade for Sean Monahan at the deadline, but that would not happen at the deadline. No, it's not gonna be the deadline. That'd be an uh, off-season move. Off-season, little little pump. Yeah, I I see Monahan getting moved this off-season. Now that you, yep. we talk about this. Yep. Yep. Uh, and I wanted to. Yeah, we can kind of move on to after the game here, and we can couple things uh, in the extra pile. But uh, Thomas Grice on the market. Uh, which I mean, it's not really surprising, but also like for that to be publicly stated by Elliot on Thirty Two Thoughts is, I think, it's significant. I would take anything for Thomas Christ at this point, and maybe that's what the reason he played in Calgary. I mean, I know Ned's hasn't been good, but like on the big stage for Hockey Night in Canada, it's a good showing. Yeah, he played good too. Played good yeah. too. But yeah, oh, should I say my crazy thing? 
that I was suggesting. Uh, you were saying flip Mrazic and Grice. Yep, and get a sweetener with it because Mrazic has term. Yeah. Cap hits cap hit similar. Mrazic played well with Ned. And Mrazic, if you look at it historically in Detroit, he played well. I know there was a different team, but I also love Peter. I, I'm a I'm a I have a soft spot for Peter. He's crazy, but I think he's better than this. He's a lot I think better than this. I think if he goes to a like, I think he does better in a market where there's not as much pressure. You, you saw him in Philly. He was also bad in Philly, which is a high pressure market. And Detroit and Carolina aren't as high pressure. So I think a, a lot of it has. I don't know. I, I don't I think Toronto would do that. You don't think so? I think they would. No, hundred percent. No, they're gonna go for a big name goalie. Or else they're stupid. Yeah, Jack Campbell's not a good enough goalie to carry them in a playoff series. If I think if they carried. can't, I, I don't think that if I, I the, the name obviously around is Flurry. I don't think if they, if they don't get Flurry, I think they're still going to make a move on goaltending. They're okay. Kyle Dubas is going to panic. He made a panic move for Nick Foligno last year that bit him. I think this is this is the panic move this year. That's all I'm saying. I think it's going to happen. I have no I basis for this. I, I wouldn't Nick mind Robertson. either. Yeah, Nick Robertson's good, man. I like Nick Robertson. Um, we have a couple of things that, uh, no for, for, before we talk. Like, brother. yeah, true. Not his brother. Um, before we get in like the really like fun conversation, I want like a couple of funny things. Like, so we're talking about how Cider wasn't great of late. Uh, Cider in practice said today that he has not liked how he's played and he's not playing well. Which I don't think I don't think I'd go that far in saying he's not playing well, but like I love how he's holding himself accountable. That's leadership right there from a 20 year old that's yeah that's that's a great thing you want to hear from any player no matter where but a 20 year old rookie that isn't happy with this game and he's speaking it that's kind of nice to hear i guess i forgot to mention this in the calgary game but the one weakness i've really noticed in cider's game is his pk defending the tofoli goal especially where he doesn't really commit either to the pass or the shooter and he kind of just lets the pass go by and tofoli's back door right there I know it's a hard play on a two-on-one, but like this has been a couple times this year where Siders read that wrong. Yeah. This is one thing I noticed. Um, but yeah, I like how Siders, you know, he's like, I'm going to be better, and I I'm, I guarantee next game he's going to play well, especially mm-hmm. against Connor McDavid. I'm guaranteeing it. Um, Yeah, so getting to the really fun stuff. And something we've been kind of banging on, like especially last episode we kind of talked about, but uh, uh, how about Philadelphia and – Chuck Fletcher just, you know, loading up the money gun and, you know, just pouring it all over Rasmus Risalainen. What an awful contract. And now, to make room for Rasmus Risalainen's contract, they're going to trade one of, probably one of Travis Sanheim or Ivan Provorov, which is just hilarious. We look at the, like, I know Jay Fresh, Jay Fresh posted, like, the war chart for, uh, Rasmus Ristolainen, which was a 1%. So he's the one of the worst defensemen in the league, one of the worst players in the league. And you look at Travis Sanheim, who's at a 94%. I'm, all I'm saying is give me Sanheim. And Andy, we talked about this before, but uh, Travis, Travis, Travis for Philip, Philip, who says no? Yeah, who says no? That, that was my pitch in the, in the group chat what, last week, I guess. Uh, I, I think it was, I, think, I mean, we talked about it today as well, but yeah, probably. I say yeah. both Travis's for both Phillips. I mean, if you look yeah, at it, like, I understand, like, 
we're not like Rodgers are in a good spot right now. But you look at Sanheim and how he plays. He fits so well with any player because he's not really like a huge offensive guy or def- like he's kind of just a perfect two way defenseman. His play, his style could fit in basically anywhere in the lineup and play high minutes. And he's still young; he's only twenty five. Um, and even Provorov as well, who's a guy who's really struggled this year. And I know Jeff Merrick always brings it up that he feels that like the the downfall of Ivan Provorov was when they lost Matt Niskanen. And he hasn't had that guy to play with pace and get him the puck and let him run. And that one, to me, just spells out more at Cider in the style of what they're looking for, a guy who can play with pace and get him the puck and kind of let him roam around in the offensive zone. You know what I mean? Yeah. Plus plus of having Provorov would be that his his dog has a cool TikTok account. So, I mean, it's positive. So we can look that'd be kind of cool. That'd be, would be cool to cool. have. That would, I, I think that, you know. That kind of seals it for me. Personally, yes. It's a good golden retriever. Um, but, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. So, kind of go, kind of finish off here. There was no practice lines for the day. But I kind of wanted to have a conversation about what I, like, what I think the line should look like moving forward. Obviously, with Fabry and stuff. Jeff Blaschel pointed out in the press conference about Fabry being out for the rest of the year that he was looking at the likes of Philip Sedina, Rasmussen, and Valeno to get a bigger opportunity. Granted, I don't know how willing he's gonna, he seems to be to being committed to that as Philip Zadina played only played more minutes on offense than Luke Witkowski. Yeah. That's right, Giovanni, Giovanni Smith played more minutes that game. Um, so I it's kind of tough when you talk on one side of your mouth and you actually do the other. But um, I'm curious. I, I kind of drafted up a little lineup, and this is um, without Bertuzzi right now. I'm running 7D right now. I think that's the best move. Sorry, Andy. No witter. He's number one center. What are you talking about? Oh, yeah. I didn't see him there. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> um, but my lineup, my lineup looks a little something like this. It would be um, – Zadina, Larkin, Raymond. I'm going Blad, Valeno, Verona, Triple V. Uh, I'm going to go uh, – I'm going Rasmussen, Suter, Gagne. And I'm going Ernie and Smith as the two extras in there. And then I'm going uh, Letty, Cider, Stahl, Horonic, Ulevi, Gus. And then Stetcher, 7th I think that gives you a bunch of options for, like, so Ernie and Smith, I don't like care how much they play, to be honest. You can rotate plenty of guys. You can rotate Suter, Vlad, Gagne, Bolano. You have a plenty, you have plenty of guys that can play center that can fill in for that spot. It doesn't matter if it's two wingers that are the extras in my You opinion. want Osterley out of lineup? I do, yeah. I think he's kind of like sometimes he has a really good game. Like I thought Minnesota played well, but then Calgary, he was one guy I noticed in a negative way a couple times where he'd get burnt. With his skating ability, shouldn't happen. I also just want to see Levy play. I think it's been long enough. Yeah. Yeah, it's just how I think. I don't know. I, I, I think, like, I'm writing a piece right now about how Zadina and Valeno and stuff like that and Rasmussen can make an impact. With Zadina, he's looked his best this season when after he got, like, during that stint he got on the first line and then afterwards, like, that confidence seemed to jolt him. I mean, granted, the points aren't really there. If you look at the play he made to Osterley, 
And then the couple goals he scored in the time in the first line, I think he's looked good. And it, I don't know, like it bugs me that Blasio. It seems to be he's the guy that Blasio picks on first to be all right. You're out. You know what I mean? Um, and with Valeno, I think he's taken over the second line center spot from Hugh Suter at this point. Me too. Me too. Um, <laughs> they're right. a lot better. He played his yeah. career high, career high 18 minutes last game against Calgary. And when he's played him and Verona have like an interesting dynamic going where Valeno's kind of like that. Andy, you did say play driver. I don't know if I'd call it a play driver, but he's more of a he gets the puck from engine. point A to point. Yeah, he's the engine. He's a puck gets the puck point A to point B. And Verona is able to make a play with it in the offensive zone. Verona's not much of a he's not the guy who's gonna take it end to end. Right, no. he's more of a he, you get in the puck in the offensive zone and find him. And he's going to be he's that's where he's money. He's a different kind of goal scorer, and yep, the idea that he's not just going to be able to take the puck end to end. I'm sure he, it's just not the way he plays. He's more of just a shooter. Mm-hmm. Yeah, getting, I, I just said I just said play driver for the sense of what we've seen in our bottom six, where he's played most. He, of dri- he drives plays. He, he drives, drives plays. Yeah, in that sense, for what we've seen in our bottom six now, like. On a big stage, obviously, like I wouldn't say he's a play driver. Engine's probably more like it. He gets things once we're set up in the right spot or whatever, even all over the ice. He does get things going. Mm-hmm. He does have that that knack for that. But no, for our bottom six, he's been a play driver. Like you he's, can't you can't really tell me he hasn't. Yeah, he's a, he's a guy that I still, especially as of late, I think his potential is still up in the air to what he can be. His is the sky's the limit right now for him. In my yeah. opinion, and there's so much positive coming out of his game recently. What yeah. I was going to say, too, when we talked, touched on uh, Fabregan injured, what I was going to step in and say um, was if Valeno doesn't, isn't the filler on in like upper six position, I'll be pissed. Well, like, especially the first next few games, because in the last handful of games he's I, I feel we all kind of feel like he's deserved it give him the chance yeah if it doesn't work if it doesn't work okay start over we'll, we'll see what happens but give him the chance give him four or five games chance chance or four or five games to kind of see where he's at and the past, like, two ga- past two games are the like the first I mean he had a game where he filled in on the second unit for power play but this is the first time he's done the first unit net front which was something I thought they were going to go to earlier but it's crazy at this point. This is his first chance to get that power play time, and he looked pretty decent. Like his passing, his lanes, and stuff of like that, where he was sent out passes and like when they're entering entering the zone, and then he's getting around to where he's supposed to be. He looks he looks good on that power play. That's my only concern like with yeah. My only concern with Valenos needs to shoot the puck more. Oh, I don't know if yeah. you like if you if you looked at he's played forty three games this year. He's only has forty three shots. Yeah, yeah, it's not enough. Um, nope. but that'll come but if that'll you come. compare that to his minutes that he's played it and uh, also a shot in every 12 this. minutes for the kind of player he is isn't the worst. Thing I agree, in the world. I agree for sure. And I yeah, would like, like to see a lot of those recently, yes. Yep, yeah, yeah, yep. Uh, but yeah, I wish they would have posted lines so I'm not talking out of my ass of just speculating of what they're going to do. Which is more fun. It makes for better content, but also like it's probably gonna get outdated as soon as tomorrow afternoon when they post the morning skate. 
because they are in Edmonton tomorrow night. Late one, late one, boys. Tomorrow, nine o'clock, right? Nine thirty. Nine o'clock Eastern. Yeah, nine nine o'clock. Then we got Vancouver at ten. We get Bruce. There it is on Thursday. What usually with the uh, the out west trip? Usually we get that back to back. We didn't get that this time, which is appreciative. I do appreciate that. Yeah. This is before we flip Heronic for Vesta, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's gonna be perfect. Yeah, it's gonna be perfect. We just he's gonna be right in town. Yeah, the switch jerseys before the game. I think U-Haul is carrying all his stuff from Detroit to Vancouver as we speak. And should be stated, uh, Bertuzzi's Bertuzzi's gonna meet the team in Seattle. Is the plan? So with my lines, I would throw Bertuzzi with Valeno and Verona. That'd be my second. Isn't like his wife or girlfriend, fiance, expecting a child right now too? Yes. On this trip. Yes. Yeah. So, I mean, so he might I not even like, play. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Depending, but um, yeah, I did see that. I love the the tweet was like he planned this out perfectly. Yeah. <laughs> Just in time for the Canada road trip. I for, got you an know. interesting one for you guys. Okay. If you had to pick one like super dark horse to get traded. By uh, the deadline, who do you see going? For any team or the Red Wings? The Red Wings. Like one dark horse. Is it still Heronic? I still think it's Heronic for me because I don't think Bertuzzi is considered a dark horse in the public sphere. Um, I don't think he's getting traded anyway, but I still think Heronic is. He's the dark horse for me. Again, I, I've talked about it. I don't think the style fits what Eisman wants and what he's drafted. Um. I, I just don't think that's what they're looking for personally. I could be wrong. Maybe he is. But I, I think him, I don't think Zadina's a dark horse because I think he's honestly one of the favorites to get traded. So I, I wouldn't consider him a dark horse. I, I, see, I see Zadina as a dark horse. You think so? I'm considering I, I, him a dark horse. Besides okay. the main stage, Letty, Nemestikov, and all of them. Yeah, like any of the UFAs. I guess UFAs are, all te- UFAs are all technically not, but... I consider an RFA that was a sixth overall pick in 2018 as a dark horse. And I'm going yeah. to Dina as a dark horse. Okay. I, I would like to see Hironic get traded, but I don't see it happening. Yeah, I really think curious. one of one forward is going to be traded that's not Nemestikov. And I see it being Zadina. I, d- I don't see Bertuzzi having enough getting the value that he should get right. contract wise or anything like that. Because I saw was it David Pignota talking about the possibility of the Penguins because they want a top six scoring winger? You mean the guy that says everyone's connected to everyone? Yes. Yes. He was talking about possibly Bertuzzi, Garland, or Besser there. There's just no way Pittsburgh can afford a trade with Detroit. Well, else you look at their prospect. They really look at their prospect pool. They don't have have Exactly. They don't have anything. And they don't really have draft picks either. Was it Poulin is their best prospect? And he's fine. Or Sam or, Poulin, uh, Pierre, uh, uh, Joseph, Joseph. POJ. He's good. Yeah, I, I've he's, liked he's, his game when he's played, but he's not. Yeah, he's fine. I don't know. He's like he's kind of like just like Albert Johansson, but young or older. Yeah, he's not as good as, uh, or he's way better than his brother. <laughs> yeah, we like we like him better than his brother anyway. Um, his brother, yeah, I, his brother has two rings. Gotcha. Yeah, it, it kind of very yeah. Trade deadline the week away, and we'll be uh, we'll, we it's perfect. Our schedule lines up with uh, being able to recap the trade deadline right after. I hope it's exciting. Right now, the talk is not. I mean, we just right before we started, we had Josh Manson get traded to the Avs, 
um Pavard Beek's first trade so that was cool um yeah Detroit it, Detroit's interesting because I mean I, obviously a couple months ago Eisman told Elliot Friedman that that he didn't envision the Red Wings being super active but there's a couple of trades uh how many trades okay how about I give an over under over under two and a half trades for the Red Wings so I see as for sure is Letty Letty's gonna go okay he's the only for sure yeah that's why I, that's why I did it at two and a half I see Nemestikov. He's gonna. Someone's gonna overpay for him, and okay. you can't say no. I actually don't know because are they? Is Eiserman in a state where he's like, I don't want to lose him in free agency this year, and think he's very valuable? But I, I then I again, I would think he'd be extended by now. That's true. So yeah, I, I see Nemestikov going. Okay, and I think if after oh, that, Greiser is going to be in there somewhere with talks. And then if Stalzi's in talks, I don't think so, but I think it's going to be two. Is there anyone else you see going? I think one of the dark horses do move. I'm going to go three. I agree with the two you said. I think Vlad and Letty are likely. I'd like um, to see a dark horse. I would have said maybe Carter Rowney if he was healthy, in a sense for like a, a team like just looking for like a depth guy. Um, yeah. But, again, he's not. That's not a big deal. I like Carter Rowney. He can just chill out. That's cool with me. Thomas Grice, make... Thomas Grice is hard. I, I did fun, like kind of like jokingly point to the Toronto situation, but goaltending trades are so hard to predict. As I was convinced that Jonathan Bernier was going to get traded last year and didn't. Yeah. And he was way better. That's where I don't know. Was Jonathan Bernier even on the market last year? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, uh, I feel yeah, like there's I'm, talks. I, yeah, there was like talks. There's, but like, there's always talks about like struggling goaltenders goal and their goaltenders that are up for contract. Yeah. There's, there's I'm, always, right. I'm going to, I'm going to go three. I think three are going to happen. I think it should be around two or three. Yep. Yeah. That's why I did a two and a half. Andy, what's your guess? I seven. Yeah. No, I think 12 <laughs> um, <laughs> fire, fire sale. Yeah. And Velasco is going out the door with them. He's getting traded Ooh. to the East coast league. Oh, um, nice. yeah, he's a free agent in East Coast League now, uh, or a week like today. that. <laughs> no, but uh, I, I, I think three is a, is a, is a right number, two, um, right number as well. Sorry, nice. Uh, <laughs> I didn't like that little eye raise, yeah. Eyebrow raise. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I pick on people for their grammar, so I, I call myself out too. Um, but the one that's interesting to me is. Well, I guess the two kind of package you just said that Phillips, one of the one Philip or the other. Yep. Be- because of the, because and like we've hit this a thousand times because of the Chuck Fletcher situation with Risto, Sanheim, I want Sanheim back for, for, uh, for hopefully for Peronic, but we yeah. have to give up, you know, and then uh, if we give up both, Travis's Konechny and. Sanheim, come back. Welcome yeah. to Detroit. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. We'll see though. I'm super, I'm super pumped. I I took the day off of work. Just Same. in case I can I, I'm uh I'm gonna draft up a couple uh just breakers without like the details and I'm gonna fill in the blanks when they happen so I can release them right away. Yep. Or I'm gonna do it on, I'm gonna do it on Nick Letty and Nemestikov and I'm because I'm guessing it's gonna happen, but um yeah. and then I'm then I'm I have the day off just in case something else fun happens. So we'll see. Yeah, I booked her off today too. I was like, oh well, I told 
told the old boss. Like, maybe, yeah, I'm maybe, sure. maybe I'll get, we'll, we'll get on the horn. We'll, uh, yeah, we'll get on the, the old FaceTime. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll be working. Sad. Yeah. yeah. Dummy. You look dumb. You look dumb. Um, but yeah, also, there, gonna, oh, go ahead. There's one other thing I want to touch on because I didn't okay. earlier because you guys were on your, uh, when we we're talking about Calgary, mm-hmm. uh, my comparison to the 17 pens with not having a number one D. I feel like you said they had Latang. Latang did not play a single playoff game that year, I believe. I was I was thinking the 16 run. My bad. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. you're right. Dumoulin was the number one defenseman. Yeah. Good call. Good call. I forgot about that. It was um, eating at me. I had to say it. I'm sorry. No, no, no. I, hey, I appreciate it. I like hey, being wrong. I love when Gar's wrong too, Andy. Good stuff. <laughs> it's the best. It's the um, best. But yeah, that's going to do it for this one. Uh, subscribe on Apple Podcasts so you can. Leave a rating. We appreciate it. That helps us in the charts. Um, support Inside the Rank. There are partners. Uh, support BetUS. That helps us out. Uh, follow us on Twitter, too. We've been uh, we've had some good tweets recently and getting some attention, so we appreciate that. But uh, that's going to do it for this one. Uh, thank you, everyone, for listening. <laughs>